0: Woo, welcome. Ooh, it's this is exciting. Very first Freaky Friday where we
1: tell your odd but true stories. I'm excited. We've I had am. we announced this and then we had a lot of submissions. So, yes. Depending on the length of them, will kind of depend on how many we do in an episode. But we're gonna get through six in this one. We're gonna do so. six today. I want to tell, if if I may,
0: the freaky story of how we came up with this. We were at Please, dinner because I don't know if I remember. Oh wait, was this before Tool? Yes, we were at yes. dinner at uh, Macero in mm-hmm. uh, Victory Park in Dallas, and we were with the three the our brown men in our lives: Tommy <laughs> Brown, George Brown, and Paris Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to talking about, I guess, ghost stories or telling stories and the famous George Brown, who we all deeply adore, mm-hmm. was telling us a little bit about some encounters he had had. And we asked if he wouldn't write them down and send them in. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, well, where can we, and we just made a whole show because mm-hmm. we got to, you got to tell what ge- we do. That's George how Brown's That's story. how
1: Hallmark After Dark was born. Yeah. Um, we'll just be hanging out. We're like. We should do this. And what I love about us, if I may toot our horn, is that I've been – with creative people, especially in improv, so many times you'll be hanging out with someone and something funny comes up and everyone says, oh, we should do that. And then it never comes to fruition. But with us, I always know it's going to come to fruition. And the next day – we're de- we're like messaging each other like okay this is how we could do it like we knew <laughs> we knew from that very moment that it was spoken into the universe that it was going to happen. That's true. I love it. And the the
0: response we have gotten from our wonderful listeners because we also just get dms with kind of cool stories Mm -hmm. like this so uh might as well have a formal place to do it so if you have a story uh com slash freaky friday and there's a lovely form and you can say you know subject line and whatnot so it does not get lost in the email it all Mm -hmm. goes into a wonderful database now it's our our yet another our third database that we have
1: third of many who knows who knows infinite databases yeah, so um, let's get let's get into it. Let's get started. This first one is from George Brown. My father-in-law, Heather, uh, we all adore him so much. He's a fan favorite. This one is called Grandpa's Message of Comfort. My mom's side of the family is descendants of the famous Hatfields, of the Hatfield and McCoy's feud. My grandpa Lee Hatfield was one of the first family members growing up that I had a close connection with. My grandma and grandpa came to live with us when we lived in West Virginia. My dad was a marine, so he was stationed there. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My grandpa used to take his grandkids for walks through the garden he had made and would tell us stories. He really was a great man. He had a good sense of humor and just seemed to want to be close to us. One evening, he was lying on the couch taking a nap when he suddenly was not feeling well and then passed out. My parents called 911 and sent us kids next door to stay at the neighbor's while this was happening at our house. We later found out he had had a heart attack and died on the way to the hospital. It was my first experience with death at an age, I was about 10 at this time, when I understood it more, and I wasn't sure how to handle it. My grandpa was gone, and I would never see him again. Or so I thought. The following week after his funeral, I lay down on the same couch he had been napping on to watch TV. I was lying on my stomach, with my head facing the TV and fireplace. The fireplace was on the left of the TV. I then noticed something near the fireplace, and when I looked up, it was my grandpa. He was standing there, smiling. He looked great, even at his teeth in, LOL. He looked at me and said, Don't worry about me, or that I'm gone. I'm good, and I'm in a great place. I said, Okay, Grandpa, I miss you. He said, I miss you too, but we will see each other again. So don't worry, or be sad anymore. I said, okay, I won't worry or be sad. It was at this point I felt someone touch my shoulder. When I looked up, it was my grandma. She asked who I was talking to. I looked back at the fireplace to say I was talking to grandpa. But when we both looked, he was gone. I told my grandma what he said. She thought I was probably dreaming. But then she asked me to tell her what he was wearing. See, the kids did not go to the funeral. We stayed home and knew nothing about the funeral. I told her that he had a white cowboy hat, long white sleeve shirt, and dark jeans and cowboy boots. She looked at me and said, Well, you must have seen him, because that is exactly what we buried him in. He wants you to not hurt or be sad for him. After this, I felt differently about death as life moved on. When I have had other people I care about die in my life, I just felt more at peace. I was still sad and full of emotions, but I was just more at peace. It also brought me closer with my grandma. Man. I've heard this story many times mm-hmm. from George, and the the um, events and details have never wavered. Never once changed? And also, no? I mean, he told it to us at Massero, and
0: just, you know... When you know. And he mm-hmm. said, I knew that was him. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you don't think, well, I'm going to make this up and pretend it's great. You know, you're just so
1: open to it. I think kids mm-hmm. are more open to it sometimes. I think that's why it's more be- believable from a child. Because they mm-hmm. don't have an agenda. And they don't know. They're so honest that they don't even know to make anything up. Yeah, I love so, that. Yeah. He, um, he got to say goodbye to his grandpa, which... That's all any of us want is to be able to say bye to our loved ones before they move on. For sure. Well, he also has blessed us with a second one. This is also from George. This one is called Grandma's Awakening or a 7-Up for an Angel. This brings me to when my grandma Marie Hatfield passed. I was 17 when she passed away. We were now living in Dallas. I should mention I wasn't living at home when my grandma went to the hospital. I was at my best friend's mom's house. My mom called to tell me that grandma was in the hospital and she was not doing well. The doctor said she may not make it through the day and that I needed to go see her and say goodbye as soon as possible. My friend and I went to the hospital right away to see her. We went to the nurse's station and asked for her room. They told us the room number and we went in to see her. She was sitting on the side of the bed. She smiled and greeted us and said, George Ray, they won't let me have a seven up. It was her favorite drink besides sweet tea. I don't understand why I can't have a 7-Up. Can you get me a 7-Up? I said yes, and my friend and I went down to the vending machine and got a 7-Up and poured it into a cup with a straw so no one would know what she was drinking. They said she may not make it through the day, so we thought, what would a sip of 7-Up hurt? We then went back to her room and gave it to her. She took a long, big drink and smiled and said, That tastes so good. Thank you so much. She then said, I'm chilly and tired. I told her I would go tell the nurses and have them bring her a blanket on our way out and let her rest. I hugged her, and we said our I love yous, and my friend and I went to the nurse's station to tell them she needed a blanket. When we asked the nurse to bring her a blanket, the nurse got wide-eyed and said, What? She talked to you? I said, Yeah, she was sitting up on the side of the bed. The nurse hurried toward her room and we followed. When we entered the room, she was lying in bed and was asleep. The nurse looked at us and said, "'Are you sure you talked to her And she was sitting up? "'Because she's not been awake in two days "'and has not even moved.' "'My friend and I looked at each other, "'and I walked over to her cup of 7-Up, "'and it was half full. "'We didn't know what to think. "'Looking back at it, "'I feel that my grandma had to see me "'and have her 7-Up to be at peace. "'She passed shortly after my visit. "'I always wondered if we were talking to her or her spirit. "'I may never know.' But it didn't look like she had been up and sitting on the side of the bed drinking 7-Up when we went back in her room with the nurse. But I felt at peace, knowing that we had our last few moments, and I was able to give her the last drink of her favorite beverage. Wow. I don't think I had heard this one. Oh, I love it. I love it too, yeah. I say it's
0: too... Two people that I think want, know what's happening, or at least with Grandpa, know what happened to him. And afterwards, want to just make sure little George Ray is okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because his friend was there, who I think I know who the friend was, you got two people verifying the story, you mm-hmm. know? So there, there you go. Who knows if it was her or if it was um her. I mean, she... She wasn't. She hadn't passed yet. So, I I think it was probably she just she rallied. She knew that she had to one last. I minute. mean, I feel that. I'd be like, if somebody doesn't bring me a diet coke, I'm not crossing over <laughs> into the next realm until I get a sip of diet. I know. Coke I know. i way like, out. <laughs> I know what to pour in that cup and bring to you. Thank in the hospital you very room. much.
0: And it yes, I will. I will gulp it down and then peace out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's sweet. And I think. Uh, you know like you said if the friend is with you you can't be like well maybe you just imagined it happened mm-hmm. or like grandma heard him talking when he was talking to grandpa right so there's all and all these stories are somebody else that was around so thank
1: you thank you george thank you george i love you we love you we love you this next one is from demai and this is called creepy hannibal lecter dream all right before getting started I would like to clarify that I can watch any show or movie or listen to any creepy story and sleep in peace afterwards. That was until season two of Hannibal the series. In season two of this series, there are these weird psychedelic visuals in between scenes, kind of like a kaleidoscope sometimes. For some reason, this must have triggered certain parts of my brain because I would have these weird and realistic dreams after watching another episode. Spoiler alert, in episode two, there is a scene in a silo with lots of bodies which are displayed as a color palette, like an artwork. So at the time of this dream, I was sleeping alone in a small bed. I would sleep uneasy and move a lot in my sleep, which I also did this specific night. In my sleep, I rolled onto my stomach and onto my arm. This caused my arm to fall asleep. At the same time, I dreamed I woke up in Hannibal's silo full of dead bodies all around me. I probably survived his attack and was now surrounded by his other victims, which caused me to panic and woke me up. It was the middle of the night, so I woke up kind of groggy and not fully awake. I rolled back onto my back and felt something heavy on my chest. I reached towards it to remove it and thought, this kind of feels like skin. Then I reached for it and felt fingers and a hand. I freaked the fuck out, grabbed the hand and threw it off of me. Obviously, it was my own hand, which I did not feel because my lower arm was asleep. But this adrenaline rush caused me to stay awake the rest of the night. One of the creepiest and funniest dreams I have ever had, though. P.S. I could not finish the series because of this exact reason. That's <laughs> the old stranger. Dude, I have done that when you when your arm is so asleep that you're kind of half awake and you're like, I need to roll over or I'm going to suffocate. Like you're mm-hmm. like trapped, but you can't like muster the strength to do it. Or I've been like, oh, I'm going to reach over and get my
0: phone, but my arm is dead, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, my arm, where's my arm? It's like that groggy sleep brain where nothing makes
1: sense and nothing is rational. Or everything makes sense, and you're like, yeah, I should totally call that person that I just had a dream about that I haven't spoken to in 30 years when I wake up. And then later in the day, you're like, oh, that'd be a terrible idea. How weird.
0: Like sleepy me is uh, not a great decision maker. It's kind of a dumbass. I wonder what this what is being triggered in everybody's brains who is watching this psychedelic visuals. I've never seen Hannibal. It's too scary. I
1: can't. Yeah. Also, um, isn't this what some people do to make it feel like somebody else is jerking them off? (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: called the stranger. You sit on your hand (laughs) till it's numb. And then you grab a hold and touch yourself in or whatever way. Or you use way. the
1: your non-dominant hand. <laughs> Which you know, well, seems just like do. it would be frustrating like you're like this is taking too long it's just flopping <laughs> around. Yeah. No. Uh yeah, so you had the opportunity to
0: <laughs> Yeah, to have you a did. Fun. Yeah, in
1: the I don't think I think that was the last thing DeMai was thinking about when um if you just dreamed you were surrounded by a bunch of bodies in a
0: silo, that's horrifying. No, for sure. And th- this is the kind of dreams I had when I binged in one summer. I binged Criminal Minds. I oh, watched Lord. 12 se- or 10 seasons, however many seasons were out. And I eventually just had to shut it off because there was just like people walking on broken glass, like blood pouring everywhere. And it's like, no, this. I am deeply affected by what I watch.
1: Is Is that fictional or... Um, um, well, is it yeah. like reenactments of things?
0: No, Criminal Minds is totally fictional, but oh, okay. it's almost... It's sometimes like Law & Order style, they'll yeah, do like okay. kind of rip from the headlines, but it's all just like made up. But there, it, it's graphic. Don't get me wrong. Love the show. Uh, But like Mandy Patinkin was on there the first season. That's right. First, and he quit
1: because he was like,
0: this is too graphic.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've gone on and on about Mandy Patinkin's TikTok. If you are not following him, <laughs> please go. It's the best TikTok account there is. Missing it's interesting out. that you love true crime and you can watch all of that stuff but then scary movies scare you too much yeah they get me too scared i think
0: i don't know it's just something about the analysis part there has there have been Uh, topics that we've covered on the show that I did look at, you know, whatever crime scene photos or something. And I would then also have, I had a lot of nightmares uh, when we did the Ellen Greenberg case Mm -hmm. because of just reading about a lot of the specifics and looking at the available crime scene and the Mm -hmm. autopsy reports and things like that. So it can, but I think a lot of that's less visual than the real over analyzing it, thinking about
1: it night and day. Yeah. I think so. Yeah.
0: All right. Email number four. Now it's Heather's turn to read. Now it's my turn. Uh, This is from Rebecca R. And the subject line is, Casually asked to detain a murderer. I was stationed on a ship that went to Portland for dry dock a few years ago. And I was assigned to stand at the entrance up to the ship and answer phones and check in contractors and stuff. Well, here comes my supervisor of the day. He says, real casual, Hey, has a contractor named Coffee checked in today? I tell him, nope, not today. He then asked me, if Coffee does show up, could I just keep him up there with me and then call someone without letting Coffee know? I was immediately suspicious and asked why, because I wouldn't do it unless I knew what was going on. The supervisor kind of shuffles around and then admits that this Coffee guy was suspected to have murdered his wife and her boyfriend the night before, and they thought he might try to come to work like normal. I asked my supervisor if he was fucking joking when he told me he wasn't. And I told him that I would not be detaining anyone up there with me and that now I wanted security to be up there, too. The guy never showed up, but I thought it was the dumbest thing I have ever been asked to do. I hope you
1: got a laugh. I did. So this guy not only no called, no showed, but also murdered someone. Allegedly. We don't know. Uh, i guess i guess on one hand if you kill someone and you're trying to put on normal appearances you might show up at work the next day the other side of that is you've left town so i don't think you're coming in
0: i imagine yeah you'd probably leave town also from rebecca's perspective uh this is not my job no definitely should have a security guard up here this is not in my description No, even if they said, well, we really don't want to, you know, scare him off by seeing security around. That's fine. The security guard can stand behind me or to my side Mm -hmm. or hold a clipboard and pretend like he's tying his shoe. I don't know. But uh, this is not fault to me. No, I'm
1: not a part of a sting operation. Thank you very
0: much. No, this is not what I signed up for when I signed Mm -mm. up to work uh, at the entrance to a ship. Not to the the entrance to anywhere else. But yeah, no, uh, that's I think you did the right thing there. (laughs) Rebecca, Mm -hmm. be like, no, I am not doing that. Um. Our next one is from Casey. The subject line was, I was two doors from the Lululemon murder. Hello, my favorite hosts. I went to law school down in Washington, D.C. and nannied in Bethesda in my ample spare time to make ends meet. I was out to dinner at Uncle Julio's, a Mexican restaurant, two doors down from the Lululemon store the night of the murders, while my laptop was being fixed in the very Apple store that shared a wall with Lululemon. Bethesda is right next to D.C., but is very shishy and wealthy. Murders don't just happen there. Needless to say, the kids weren't allowed to stay outside while the cops were looking for the intruders. When it turned out to be her co-worker, people were both shocked and relieved that there weren't some masked men out looking to rape and murder random people. I was back in town the next day before I had heard about the murder, and apparently I am in the background of some local news footage because my phone blew up. I never saw it, so I cannot confirm. I also have one of those faces. Thanks
1: for all your awesome work. Wow. Yeah. uh, That's that's one of the stories that sticks with me the most that we've covered. For sure. So speaking of having nightmares Mm -hmm. and crime scene photos, you can't get out of your head. That was definitely one of them. Yeah, and that's what we read about
0: at the time, you know, when we were researching was that it was uh, very shocking for an an incident like this to happen in Bethesda. So uh, it's always fascinating to hear somebody that lived there, you know, a local working there, what kind of the community reaction is Mm -hmm. um, to what happened. Because, yeah, that was kind of the – everybody was looking for those gentlemen with the ski Mm -hmm. masks on, right, or with the – uh, not ski masks, they had uh, like winter hats on. Yeah, Well,
1: because the coworker had said that's what had happened, and then mm-hmm. they quickly realized that was not the case. It's also very creepy when you think, I was enjoying my cheese enchiladas while a girl was being slaughtered two doors down. Yeah, and I think it's what we were talking about
0: uh, in the Golden Gate episode where you kind of said, where was I at this time that this thing was happening? And... If you're a family member and it's far away, that's heart-wrenching. And if you're someone that's in close proximity, not that you know, you're know you not in danger at the Uncle Julio's, but still that eerie feeling of, I wish I had known or mm-hmm. the people in the Apple store had done something or whatever. I mean, it's not going to change anything, but I think it definitely – that type of run-in or you know brush, like we said, brush with true crime, that kind of incident sticks with you because you think – I couldn't have done anything, but it is so eerie that it was mm-hmm. so close. Um, well, you know, you're doing something. You're all of us are going about their day. Jana Murray was going about her day and yeah. was just closing up shop. So, yeah, that is definitely um, we appreciate the local insight. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, our final email is from Charlotte. Charlotte said, question about a mob hit. I lived in Ireland for several years as part of a special visa program. During the time that I was there, a small war had broken out between two rival Irish mafia families in Dublin. I had loosely followed the story since I was living in the city, but didn't know how easy it was to get caught up in it. One night in the spring of 2016, I was getting ready to leave work. I was jazzed about getting to leave at 7.30 p.m. since normally I had to stay until about 9 or so. The only problem was I could not find my keys. Unable to lock up my office building and being the only one there, I tore my purse and desk apart looking for my keys. I finally found them upstairs where I had left them while getting something from the storage room. Looking for them had taken a whole half hour and I remember looking at the clock in the main office area and thinking, well, at least I get to leave at eight instead of nine. I locked up and left. I walked the 10 minutes to my house and took a shower. As I was scrolling on my phone, I saw a Facebook post pop up from a local Irish news organization saying there had been a shooting about a mile or so from where I worked, and the victim was a member of the mob family. The post stated that the hit had happened about 7.45. Not thinking any more of it, I went to work the next morning. Mid-morning, a man stops by the office, dressed in a trench coat. He flashes a badge for a split second and tells us he's a detective with the Garda, the Irish police. He asks if anyone had been in the office the night before. My boss, always looking to get out of any trouble, points to me. The detective turns to me and asks me when I left the office last night. I left at 8 o'clock, I said. You sure, he asked. Yes. He looked at me again. Was it raining when you left? In my head, I replied, it's Ireland, probably, but simply replied, I don't think so. I didn't need my umbrella. What time did you leave, he asked again. 8 o'clock. I looked right at the clock. I gestured to the clock in the office, and it was exactly 8 o'clock and you didn't see anything unusual? He asked. No, I said, shaking my head. You sure? He asked again, pressing. No, I saw nothing, I said. He left it at that, and I put it out of my head. How weird to be questioned about a mob hit. But that wasn't where it ended. A day or so later, two more detectives with the Garda showed up. They clearly showed their badges to all of us and were friendly and talkative. They asked if anyone had been at the office the night of the shooting. I said yes, but that I had already spoken to the other detective that was here a few days ago. The detectives exchanged concerned glances. We haven't sent anyone here, they said. They asked for a description of the first man and said they didn't have anyone like that on the force. After the detectives left, I asked my friend and co-worker, who was Irish and ran with a tougher crowd than I did, what was going on. I was thoroughly confused. That was when he told me that the official report was that the hitman had parked about a mile away from the victim's home in front of an office building to wait for the go-ahead and carry out the hit. It was my office building. They had been parked there from 715 to 740. If I had left when I was going to that night, I would have seen them as the parking spot is directly in front of the front door. Not only that, but my coworker said, more than likely the first detective wasn't a detective at all. He was a mob employee sent over to make sure no one saw anything that can incriminate them. So not only was I questioned about a mob hit, I was questioned by the mob itself. That's wild.
1: Whew. I guess, I mean, it's why It's also smart of the mob. Oh, yeah. Get the trench coat on.
0: Don't show them the badge clearly. Just give them a little flash. Yeah, flash it nobody's
1: going to question it, really. You, you go in there confident, and then if... If they had said, no, I did see something, that's your last day at that job, probably. Yeah, I mean, go
0: into your car or something. You never know if they, they feel like they have to take out witnesses or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, it's uh, we talk about that all the time, about the eerie nature of just, yep. if only I had been out five minutes sooner mm-hmm. or left five minutes later. And all due to
1: lost keys. Well you happen to avoid it. I wonder how many times that has saved my life because <laughs> I'm constantly searching for them. That chapstick, phone, everything. But yeah, you and then you you wonder, was the universe helping her out? And, you know, why did you need to go to the storage? Why are you up there? You know what I mean? It's all it's a very sliding doors moment. Also, ballsy of the mob to just say, fuck it, we're parking in front of a I guess, I guess the mob doesn't care. No, we're and I park mean out in front I, of wherever.
0: If it looks like it's an office building, you probably think, "Oh, it's like a 9 to 5 office." So mm-hmm. they probably close at 5, you know. It's just normal business hours, but who knew that uh Charlotte would be there uh and almost be there out at the same time at the same time that the mob would been parked out there, but I think yeah, I wonder if there's, you know, whatever you want to call it, the universe, a guardian angel of mm-hmm. spirit, something that just going to put your keys in another room or just going to, or like, or she sounded, you sounded
1: like she knew she'd left him up there, but maybe there was a reason she needed to go up there to get something that day. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a good thing that, um, that it happened though. I, I think about those things all the time. If I see an accident and I'm like, man, if I had left five minutes earlier, I could have been in that accident. But then I also wonder a lot of times if I left five minutes Later, would I have um, also, like, avoided an accident that maybe I got in? You know, so it goes both ways. That's true. Yeah, you never, We just can't live your life
0: by what right. could have, what have should have. No. It just, it all, you know, something like this where you don't, you can't plan that the mafia is going to be, you know, no, out in your office.
1: That is a very, um, a true definition of a brush with crime. Oh, so, sure. very good. All of these were very... Very good ones to start off our Freaky Fridays. All um interesting, compelling, and we have we have more to get through. But we're looking for for more. Keep on sending them because we'll um we'll make our way through them. Yeah, this this pretty much was we read them in the order we got them. So mm-hmm. it's just we were like, do we That's do a we theme? Do. do we do this? We're like, let's just you
0: send it in. We'll do
1: it. We'll put it well, on the air. We'll do them in the order that we received them. So, and these were very well written. We only had to, we don't really, if we do anything, we just like um, make it easier for us to read them by dividing up paragraphs and stuff. So Mm -hmm. we don't really alter anything. It's all y'all's words. We appreciate the opportunity to say them. Thank you all so much for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you've had a brush with crime, or you have felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free
0: episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tiers, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini which this month is the update on the Murdoch murders in South Carolina – and patron exclusive video and audio content, including we have some upcoming personal am I the asshole stories. We also have some personal unpopular opinions. we're doing a live stream that's all wedding themed soon um and we also do wedded drama, dear sinister Tr- Judge Christie, true crime headlines, and so much more. We have a lot of content on our patreon yeah,
1: like to a like- lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, i think it's because it's our it keeps
1: our interest so like oh, let's yeah just do, let's it's do a something creative just outlet for interest. us we love we love all of them you also have the fun perk of access to our discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime share personal ghost stories or just post adorable pictures of your pets and send those personal ghost stories to us too for our freaky fridays we also hop on occasionally and we host monthly q a's on crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions this month Our Q&A is going to be March 16th at 8 p.m. Central Time, and then our live stream will be the following night, the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, also at 8 p.m. You have to wear green. We'll know if you're not. Yes. I mean, we can't see you, but we'll know.
0: We'll pinch you. (laughs) For our patrons not in the U.S., you also have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those
1: that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So
0: many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click
1: on Shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow
0: us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We also now have a TikTok. And we also have a YouTube, and I believe both of those are Sinisterhood Podcasts. Everyone's been tagging us on TikTok already, which is so nice. We'll put some videos up soon. We're working on them right now. And I'm, we're working through the back catalog to put everything up on YouTube. I'll put this on YouTube, too.
1: Oh, good idea. Christy, where are you at on that computer? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO, Instagram at Christy Mollis. I think I'm Christy or GTFO also on TikTok. I have two videos <laughs> if you want to follow me. You can. You're welcome to him. May I always think of fun stuff to post, and then it's just I I don't know how people do it. I have so much respect for like I love Elise Meyer. She's a TikTok
0: creator, and I mean just a general digital creator. Oh yeah, 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 and. As, like you said, I'll have an idea and be like, oh, I'm going to do this. If it's anything more than just turning the camera on myself and talking to it, adding words, mm-hmm. adding a green screen, any of that, I'm like, God bless you because that is so much effort. It's so, it's much, so work. much work. Yeah, I don't, I, I, mad respect. Yes. Uh, for sure. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at MCK versus the world. And then I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.